sermon podcast of Dan Roschke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information about Bethlehem, visit our website at blclife.org. But now, here's Pastor Dan and his sermon for today. Friends, grace to you and peace this day from a God whose heart is transformed by love for this earth and its people. Today I'm preaching on our first lesson, which is uh, from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 to 17, Noah's Ark. I believe I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. We always have to put ourselves into these ancient stories when we're reading them. Otherwise, they're just old stories. So where are you in this first lesson in Noah's Ark? (laughs) I believe that's pretty easy to figure out where you are in this particular story. Since you're not God, and I'm not God, and everything else is being wiped out, and we are not completely wiped out, so we find ourselves in this story on the Ark. On account of Christ Jesus, who opens up the covenant to all, we all, I mean, I'm holding the whole planet in mind here, we all find ourselves on the ark. We are all, I'm holding the whole planet here, chosen and saved in Christ. We're the ones, I'm holding the whole planet here, We're the ones who God remembers. God remembers Noah and his family. God remembers you and your family. We are the ones being saved. God remembers, I'm holding the whole planet here. God remembers all the creatures. God saves Noah, and God saves you, and we are the ones now that God calls to be obedient and to care for the animals and the plants. God calls Noah to be a caretaker. God calls us in this Lenten season and beyond to be caretakers on this side of the flood. But let's back up a little bit. Because while this has become a favorite story for children and a popular theme, certainly for nursery and Sunday school walls, lots of pastels, the story itself is not light and airy, pastelly. <laughs> it's cloudy and heavy, lots of dark blues and grays. God says, I'm going to bring a flood of waters to the earth to destroy all flesh, everything that is on the earth. That's back in chapter 6 of Genesis. This can be very disturbing. What kind of a God would do this? We do have to wrestle with this. You, friends in Christ, have to wrestle with this. In my own research, that is my own wrestling, I learned that the Hebrew word that is described, that that describes what the humans were doing to one another back in chapter 6 is is shahat. It's a guttural word, shahat. I wonder if you can say that, shahat. It's loosely translated as doing corrupt things in our Bibles. 
the same word is what God says God will do to them, which is later destroy. So in our English translations, the words are changed. The people were doing corrupt things, so God says, I will destroy them. But in Hebrew, we see a slight but significant difference, I think, because the word is the same. The people were doing shahat, and so God must do shahat. In other words, the punishment must fit the crime. That's how bad the people's actions were. This is usually a pattern throughout the Old Testament, which is also, by the way, just good parenting. You know? The punishment fits the crime. In other words, humanity brings this destruction upon themselves. God created the earth and the animals including the humans, and calls it all good in Genesis chapter 1. But by Genesis 6, humanity has begun shahating, bringing destruction upon each other. All kinds of corruption and evil. Bringing destruction upon the earth. And so then God grieves. Yahweh is sad, just like a parent or a teacher who has to give a big consequence to a child who's broken a big rule. Micah had a teacher back in third grade, and she was so good. She talked to us at the parent-teacher meeting that, um, that the way that she starts to teach the kids that they have to take responsibility for their actions is, is that you know, she gives instructions very clearly and rules, um, and when they don't follow the rules, she, she told us, the parents, that she actually makes her voice sound sad, and, and she'll say to them, I am so sorry that you've done this, that, you've, that you're not going to be able to go outside with your classmates right away. I'm so sorry that you're going to have to stay in from, resource, from, from recess. <laughs> So it is with God. So it is with God. In chapter 6, Yahweh was sorry that she had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved her to her heart. God is heart sick about what happened. I am so sorry that I made them, and I have to blot them out. God is torn up about it. I'm not saying this is not problematic, but but this is definitely not an angry, vindictive Zeus kind of God hurling lightning bolts from the sky. This is a sad teacher kind of God on the floor with her students. Can you find yourself in this text? And then God remembers. God remembers Noah and his family. And God remembers all the vast array of other animals, too. What does this mean for us in the context of our ecological crisis around the globe? God remembers the vast array, the diversity of all of creation. Shouldn't we, in our decision-making, in our 
thinking and our praying and our Lenten practices and our everyday lives in our building. God directs Noah to build an ark, to build a way for others to be protected, housed, fed, and nourished, even beyond the humans. Where do you fit in this story? How is God calling us to build a way for others to be protected despite the waves of hardship and destruction all around, despite the downpour of despair all around? I'm struck by how God's instructions keep Noah from just worrying about himself and his own family. Who are we called to bring into this ark? Who are we called to help? to rescue even polar bears and howler monkeys and salamanders and rare plants and common plants matter to God. God cares and finds a way to preserve diversity. That's a good lesson. Diversity is not a goal. You know, sometimes we say diversity, we need more diversity around here. Diversity, biodiversity. Cultural diversity, gender diversity, ethnic diversity, all of it is the original state of things, thank God. The fact that we aren't so diverse in places anymore, and the church is not excluded from that. The fact that we separate ourselves apart and cluster with our own kind is a symptom of our sinful nature. Diversity, and the diversity of diversities is a gift provided and created by God. How might we build to protect all that diversity? God saves us and saves the animals and makes a promise with us, sealing it with the symbol in the sky. See, I'm establishing my covenant, God says to Noah. I'm establishing my covenant with you and with all your descendants. And with every living creature, God says to Noah, that never again shall all flesh be cut off. The rainbow in the sky. That's the sign of the covenant, that promise, that diversity, multicolored, that love is for us and for all the creatures, large and small. This is a beautiful story after all. Never again, God says, will I destroy the earth. God knows that corruption, shachat, is bound to happen again by the people, though. Humans will most certainly engage in evil and slander and shameful behaviors again, and destroy each other and the earth again. But we live on this side of the flood. Before the flood, God saw that the thoughts of their hearts were evil continually. That's true after the flood too. But we live on this side of the flood. And God changes God's mind. You know, one scholar points out, People don't change in this story. People just keep on doing what they do. God is the one who changes. God's heart changes. Evil and wrongdoing will go on. And we'll hear more stories about that as we venture through these Old Testament lessons this Lent. 
God has given us freedom to do as we choose, but God will not blot us out ever again when we go astray. We live on this side of the flood. God will not return shachat on us for the shachat that we inflict on one another and on the earth. We said it in our confession and forgiveness, the announcement of forgiveness here today. Here is the flood of grace, we said at the font. Out of love for this whole world, God draws near to us, breaks every snare of sin, and washes away our wrongs, restoring us to the promise of life through Jesus Christ. What a bunch of Noah's Ark in that confession and forgiveness. God is faithful, God is just, and God cleanses us. We look at this ancient story with our Christ lenses on. Let me say that again. We unabashedly look at these ancient stories with Christ lenses on. You know how there's those, have you seen those glasses that are like American flag glasses? Those always strike me because in a lot of ways, I, I think we can all relate. Like we look at everything through the lens of our nation, our own nation. Maybe we need some glasses with crosses on them, you know, that we look at everything through the lens of Christ. And when we look at this story with Christ glasses on, this Noah's Ark story, the waters that destroy also become baptismal waters that save, that, that cleanse and wash, that forgive the ark on uh, the image on our, our worship folder cover, it looks like our baptismal font here at Bethlehem. And, and I think we need to make that connection. It happens to look like our font here, but, but make this connection that the ark is the baptismal font, the waters that save. God gives us a redo. That's what this text is. So we begin this Lenten season, do-over. <laughs> Did you ever call that when you were a kid? Do-over. God gives you a reboot, a restart. God recreates, and therefore we have recreation. It's one of my favorite words, and it's biblical. Recreation. I haven't said a word about our gospel text. It's pretty short and sweet today. Jesus just comes out of the baptismal waters and goes immediately to the wilderness, and all we have is that he was with the wild beasts. He was with the wild beasts. One of my favorite descriptions of sin is simply that sin is separation. Separation from God, from the earth, from our truest selves. Lent, on the other hand, is a turning back, friend turning back from the separations that God never intended for us, the separations that grieve God's heart. Lent is following Jesus out from those baptismal waters and into the wilds. Lent is getting back in touch, reconnecting with wilderness and wild creatures, reconnecting with your true heart, reconnecting with your community, reconnecting with God.
who has made a way for you. This language can be as comforting as it is disturbing. God has drowned our sin and brokenness, and through Jesus Christ, we are washed and forgiven, fed as angels, fed and sent out to be in touch, in touch with our neighbors, in touch with the creatures, in touch with the earth, in touch with our truest selves, recreated. Thanks be to God. Amen. at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, thank you for listening. Check us out again soon. And to learn more about our national church body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, visit elca.org. Goodbye for now. And remember, God's outpouring of grace and peace never runs dry. Here's to a new day. Evangelical. That was terrible. To learn more about our national church body. Start over, start over. (laughs) Okay. Is that hard? No, not really. Pretty easy? Yeah. You're good at it.